Hi, everyone. Welcome to uh, another edition of what we're now calling Future Food Weekly, because we've rebranded the Green Queen Weekly Newsletter to have a broader focus. It's, uh, it's a pretty um, sad week in the world, and uh, we wanted to, myself and Steve, my co-host, we just wanted to take a moment to um, send all our thoughts and prayers to people over in Israel who are dealing with just a horrific reality on the ground. And obviously we, uh, we're, we're just, we're stunned by what we're seeing in the news and we're just praying for, for things to get better. Um, in the newsletter, we did include a link to where you can donate um, that, that some of our Israeli friends sent to us as the best place um, for them to receive assistance and, and help if you wanna help that way. Um, otherwise, obviously, the best thing to do is to reach out to those you know and 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 give them your support. And um, you know, a lot of people maybe don't know that Israel is plays a huge role in the food tech world. It's the second biggest market in in food tech in in after the U.S. And there are some just incredible, um, innovative, cutting edge, world class companies out coming out of Israel. Um, and a lot, Steve and I both are privileged to know uh, many of the founders and their teams. And, um, you know, we've, we've been in touch with some of them this week and it's just, it's, it's an awful reality what they're facing. So we're just, we're, our thoughts are with them and their families and their loved ones. Yeah. And the only, only thing that I, I'd add to this and so now you did say this already, but I really just want to emphasize is that like, if, there's really, it feels like there's not much that you can do, right? Um, to You can't rectify the situation. You can't change what has already happened. But I want to emphasize the power of reaching out and just showing your love and concern and support for the people that you know that are either Israeli or Jewish, whether they're in Israel or, or worldwide. Um, it's, it's a powerful thing. So uh, I really do urge people to do that. You could do it publicly. You could do it in the background and just reach out to people directly. But just doing that is super, super impactful to the people that are currently dealing with this um, firsthand. So I would just encourage everyone to to definitely do that. Uh, show show love and, and support in the way that you feel comfortable doing it. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll leave it. At, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, we're we're thinking of everyone and um, obviously following everything closely. Um, but we are going to dive into the news this week. There's so much of it, as always. It really feels like the space has kicked off where, as I said earlier, we're also taking a broader focus, which really better reflects um, Green Queen's reporting over the last few months. And just in general, where old protein is a is very important part of um, the future of food that we envision and are working towards and report on. But it is one of of many other aspects. And we also look at things like behavioral change. We also look at alternative foods, um, agri-food technologies that can help farmers in, in, and growers. I think the idea is to have a broader look. So we, we have adjusted the name and hopefully everybody likes the new newsletter. We've gotten some really good feedback on it. So thanks for that. And, um, we did keep the big story format because it, it I think it, it had proved popular. And this week's big story is about 
Beyond Meat and their new campaign. Um, they have engaged some pretty high profile comedians and celebrities to do a campaign all around their Beyond Steak product, which I don't know how many people know was certified as heart healthy by the American Heart Association and has a, you know, what, what the company describes as a very clean label and is has been very, very popular both in food service and in retail. And the, the company is really looking to um, come to the consumer with a message around health, which is very interesting given everything going on in the space and some of the criticisms that have been lobbied against um, the plant-based meat sector. What do you think, Steve? I love seeing this. I think that it is the, maybe not the right approach, the, a much better approach to marketing their their products for Beyond than, than what they've done in the past. Um, and and I, I know that they 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 did launch that a, a different campaign previously uh, that that really brought up this this overall idea of getting back to the roots and of farming and it being better for the planet and people and and all of that, which was a good one. But I don't really think that's go that's going to cut through the noise. Honestly, I, I have a very American viewpoint on it. But other than maybe during like the Super Bowl for for um, professional football where people are actually paying attention to the commercials because they know they're good. I don't think that a really heartfelt, deep messaging approach is what's going to break through to, to the mainstream. So I like this approach. I think the idea of like this changes everything and using comedians that people know and love, uh, that'll get people's attention. And and I think it's really important at a time like this, because you mentioned like there's, there's, there's a really uh, big focus on ultra processed foods and um you and i have actually ranted to each other privately not on the podcast about how we don't know that the alt protein space is really taking that conversation around ultra processed foods seriously uh, it seems to be dismissed a little bit just like well yeah sure some of our stuff's ultra processed but um th there's other reasons why you should just be looking at it which is true right but like you can't just discount it and say, yeah, but forget about the ultra processing because that's what consumers are paying attention to right now, right? Yeah, so I think the framing around the ultra processed conversation needs to get broader. Um, so far in the last six months, I'd say there has suddenly been a renewed focus from the folks in alternative protein and specifically in, in plant-based meat. But let's really define that around this idea that, you know, plant-based meat is being attacked as being processed, not necessarily even ultra-processed, just processed. And that's one of the big arguments of the meat industry and groups like the CCF, the Center for Consumer Freedom, have been proven to be, which, which are backed by, by industry dollars, have been proven to be waging campaigns um, that basically push a narrative around red meat is one ingredient and plant-based meat is multiple processed ingredients. And so you should choose red meat, right? That's really what it comes down to. And that's one side of the story. And I have seen a renewed focus from brands and from investors and from ecosystem, um, you know, pundits that, okay, we need to look at this. Um, consumers are reacting to this. They are, it, I, I think this really dovetails with the Beyond Meat story because I think, Process means not healthy to a consumer. And 
that much we we all kind of we all kind of know that seems to we all kind of seem to have that base that when you hear the word processed with food you're thinking not healthy and the fact that beyond is really pushing health um is interesting because originally what a lot of consumers came to the category for was health right where plants are good for you and we need to eat less meat and like the who has all these statistics around too much meat and and, and cancer and heart disease and and other lifestyle diseases so it's interesting to see that kind of come around, but what we need to look at is the other side of the story, which is the general conversation happening, not in all protein, but in food in general. And this is happening a lot more in the UK where a big, where a, a sort of popular book came out by a doctor about ultra processed foods that has really brought the topic into um, the mainstream. And this is specifically around ultra processed foods using the classification by the Brazilian nutrition researcher and scientists, um, which is called the Nova classification, which puts foods that are processed into uh, a sort of four broad categories, one being least processed. So things like a can of tuna all the way to like extremely processed foods um, like margarine, for example, that would be in, 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 you know, the top, the, the fourth category. And that would be what is considered the ultra processed foods. And now every day in the UK news and in, and, and in, in just in some mainstream news, even in the US, you're seeing these stories coming out about, oh, and there's research linking ultra processed foods consumption to depression, to other mental health Ill issues, to gut issues, to diseases, to certain cancers. Um, and then you're also seeing a backlash where obviously big food is coming out and saying, whoa, 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 like not all foods are processed the same. And we all eat processed foods and we can't just stop eating processed foods. And there are statistics being thrown around where, you know, 70% of an American person's diet is processed. I think it's 60% in the UK or, or 50 to 60. So there's this kind of, it, it's this has gone into the zeitgeist and the mainstream of, 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 of food. And it's not specific to plant-based food. And I think what, what I've noticed is um, I've been on a few panels lately and, and talked about this and it does seem like the industry is not maybe paying enough attention to what this gener general narrative around ultra-processed foods, what kind of effect it's going to have on the plant-based meat industry. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. And I think that um, it, there's been a number of years where the plant-based food space has been able to kind of just like ignore it a little bit or kind of brush it to the side because things were going well. And, um, but obviously things are not going as well as they were in the past and you need to rethink things and really go back to the roots of like, you're selling food. How do you sell food to people? You, you appeal to what they want and you create products that they want and need and, and, I think that means that we really like these, like the all protein companies, the plant-based companies really need to lean a little bit less on or a lot less on why they want people to eat their products, like for the planet or for animals and, and more so lean more into why it appeals to people for the reasons that they want, which is health. And, and if there are products out there that are really healthy and like, like this beyond the beyond steak is, has been labeled as heart healthy, lean into that really hard. 
because that's what's going to appeal to people in this environment to because to your point outside of the all protein space there's still a discussion <laughs> around processing and ultra processing of foods so that's what's mainstream and and all protein needs to be focusing on the mainstream and hitting on those points so um this one for beyond meat is good in that in that respect they're hitting on it is, is it a processed food yes it is um so they can't they're not necessarily claiming that it's not but this specific product that they have the, the steak product this one is heart healthy as as confirmed by the american heart association so lean into that super hard and for other companies out there work towards that work towards getting your products there because that's that's what the masses are looking at that's kind of how i think about it but it's a good one for beyond meat for sure and we're seeing just in the newsletter as well there was a story about spanish uh leader in plant-based products Fura, and they just came out with a york ham alternative and i can tell you the vast majority of the press release was about the product's health credentials and ham is obviously an interesting one and we covered this when the french company la vie came out with the french ham we covered this because ham obviously is a processed food in its animal form anyway and it is one of the foods most linked to um dangerous carcinogenic uh, trends and 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 diseases, right? It is it is in fact considered carcinogenic as a food by the WHO, the World Health Organization. So ham is an interesting one, but I can tell you in the press release, Ura was at pains to point out that their Nutri Score, which is a five degree score that is that started in France and is used across certain European markets, is B out of a possible best of A, right? Um, they pointed out how many how few ingredients they had. They pointed out how healthy most of the ingredients were. So this, this idea of the clean label, the healthy product, this is really, we're seeing this more in product launches and product press releases, which honestly- no, that's great. Two years ago, it was much more around, oh, the climate, um, you know, result of, uh, of, you know, how many greenhouse gas emissions you can save by eating this versus- the animal version or how many animals you can say now we're going back to basics around health and it's very clear that for the consumer health is a is a key driver of of purchase yeah i i fully agree and it's great to see that right that like now that's really the focus now and there's a new product launch and and the only other thing that i'll say on this which i i think is um it sometimes this rubs people the wrong way a little bit but we, we sit here and say health is a con, con, like a key focus for the consumer. And then there's a group of people out there that are like, that's complete BS. If you look at what we just said, like five minutes ago, you were saying that 70% of all foods that are eaten in the U.S. are, are ultra processed. And I know I've seen stats that in the grocery store, processed. 75%. Not processed, processed, sorry, not, not ultra processed. Processed. But I've seen stats saying that in the grocery store, 75% of foods are processed. And, and then you look at like where the dollars are spent and people are just buying processed, ultra processed foods. And, and so there's a lot of people out there that are like, people don't want health. They're lying when they say that. And it's like, yeah, sure. I get that, that the way people actually purchase things versus what they say they want to purchase is different. But what I think that side of the argument is missing is this idea that if we want people to switch away 
from certain types of foods and switch to newer types of foods that are either better for the planet or for their health or for animals, we need to appeal to what they think they want to purchase. Because at that, when you're asking them to change their habits, that adds a whole new layer of, of thinking. Now consumers are thinking again when they go to make a purchase. And if they're thinking and using their brain and not just doing what they've done for 10, 20, 30 years, they're now gonna say, well, what is in this product? Why would I want this product? And that's where the health play is really, really important. It helps with that initial change of behavior. Yes, long-term, they're not gonna care if it's processed or ultra-processed because they don't right now for all the other stuff. But right now for the change of behavior, it is super, super important to hit on the health benefits of a product if, if they are there. Absolutely. But anyway, anyway, but anyway this uh, is maybe, maybe, maybe I, yeah, maybe I, I pissed some people off with that last one. I know there's some people that are so angry at that. They're like, everyone, everyone is so unhealthy. Why do they care? <laughs> and there is truth to that argument, but, but what we do know is that health seems to be a motivating factor for people when they buy products. And I mean, everyone is trying to get more healthy. So, it, and it's interesting to see how the industry is reacting and probably need to react more. And they, this ultra processed food question, because of all the, the media around it and these books coming out and these studies is not gonna go away. So it's gonna really be interesting to watch how the industry kind of reacts to the this bigger narrative in the wider food industry. So remains to be seen and a topic we will no doubt revisit. Definitely. But what else? What else? What did, what did you find interesting this week in, in the newsletter? Well, what was interesting was that we had so much seafood news that we ended up creating a special seafood section. And I just find it fascinating that um, in the last few weeks, maybe a few months, seafood, alternatives to seafood from cultivated to biomass fermentation to plant-based seemed to really be ramping up. And this was a category that represented, you know, less than a few percent of the entire plant-based meat space. And it seems like it's really picking up. So just this week, um, just in the last two days, really, we had cultivated uh, bluefin tuna maker, Wanda Fish, um, getting 7 million in a seed round, um, we had cult another cultivated tuna maker, um, the more established um, Blue Nalu, getting a, a reeling in a 33.5 million Series B. Um, we had a, a, a Spanish company called Essencia Foods debuting the first whole cut mycelium uh, fish fillet at, a, at Anuga, which is one of the biggest food conferences in the world. It happens every two years. Um, we've had cultivated caviar come out. We've had, you know, Celex, the Chinese cultivated meat companies have also decided that they're going to start working on fish. And they said they're getting close to um, a first 200 liter fish cell pilot production. We had the Austrian company Revo Foods launch the first supermarket whole cut vegan salmon filet um, with a 3D technology. So it, it, there's just more and more action in the seafood space. And I'm, I'm intrigued. Um, you know, is it that people suddenly um, want to be healthier and seafood affords them that? Is, it, is there more 
awareness around all the issues around seafood because it has felt for a long time that we've been very clear that there's a lot of problems with livestock farming, but often people don't seem to be as aware of all the problems with, you know, fishing and 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 the, the industry. Um, or is it that, you know, seafood alternatives represent a bit of a blue ocean, so to speak, in a space where, you know, maybe plant-based meat, plant-based chicken, beef, pork is a bit overdone. Um, what do you think? I, I love the activity in the space because I mean, I've been investing in this space for quite some time and there was a really long period where seafood was just completely ignored or underrepresented from a, a, a dollars invested standpoint and some activity in plant-based, some activity in cultivated, but really not a core focus. And I'm excited to see the focus shift to, to focus on, on seafood a, a lot more than it has. Um, like the, the opportunity is obviously very large, right? But then there's also the impact from an environmental animal welfare standpoint is, is monstrous. Um, I think seafood is also a really good example of how you can't just say, well, there's, there's alternative proteins and we take the same approach for every category, right? Like seafood, the reason why, to your point, the reason why people buy seafood is very different than why people buy meat or, 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 or dairy. So um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. Obviously, we always think like long-term cultivated is like kind of like this holy grail idea where it's, it is the real thing. It has the same benefits without the negative externalities. So I'm, I'm hopeful on that end. Um, I, I think that plant-based can be a really like here and now thing that can, um, if done right, really appeal to consumers that are looking to avoid either the environmental aspects or even like there's a lot of people who talk about microplastics found in seafood that plant-based obviously wouldn't have. Um, and then biomass has like a really good appeal because like the, the health component is, is really hard to match. And a lot of people eat seafood primarily for health, like you mentioned. Um, they think of it, like I know a lot of people who, who instead of having a steak, will have a, a filet of, of seafood of some kind, whether it's salmon or something else. And because they were told by the doctor to cut back on red meat. Um, but either way, we need all the, all the solutions we can get. So it's, uh, it's great that there was so much going on in one week that even the, the, the newsletter just had a, what you call the super seafood special section. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be interesting, and and of course, can alternatives match the health benefits of wild seafood? When assuming you don't have an ethical um, predisposition not to consume seafood, and assuming that the seafood is not causing uh, bycatch and and fish from dirty waters, and not you know assuming that you're able to source the most well-sourced seafood in the world, which is, by the way, very difficult and only uh, an option for a few species and getting more and more difficult. So, you know, most most of that is greenwashing. But assuming you can, can these alternatives match, you know, this, the, match the profile? Because, you know, I mean, we, we tell pregnant women to eat omega-3s for their baby's brain development. We... I mean, these are real things that most people think about when they're thinking about seafood. Seafood is a premium, yeah. definitely a health premium. So it, it's, it is difficult to bring all that in. 
to an absolutely absolutely and i think that goes back to each individual company is going to be taking a different approach and they need to be really thoughtful about where in the category they sit like if you're creating like a breaded fish fillet that could be put into the the frozen food section then then you're not you're you're not trying to appeal to the health conscious consumer you're trying to appeal to a totally different consumer set. But if you're saying, no, we are just as healthy and all that, then you need to be able to back up those claims, right? And and because that is a reason why people eat seafood. Um, and uh, so, I, and I think that I've seen the companies doing that for the most part so far. So they're thinking about that. And that's, that's definitely a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. So what else, what else did you, did caught your, caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, so for me, like the real, the real, like final thing that I thought was really interesting was, um, so it, it's it's about Upfield Foods, which is one of the largest food companies in the world. Which I, we were talking about how we didn't realize how large they really were. Um, but basically, Upfield announced that their popular uh, Flora Buttery range, uh, which I think is only available in certain markets or. Um, at least for this this type of update, it is um, the floor buttery range is going back to being fully vegan. So apparently it was fully vegan, and then after a few years, they added buttermilk as an ingredient for whatever reason, um, and then they decided to go go back to the vegan side, go back to the fully plant based side. And the reason it caught my eye is obviously that's a that's a nice win, right? Like when I when I'm hoping that the the planet could shift to a more plant plant focused diet. Um, but the reality is what this signals to me is there is no reason why any company who is driven by revenues and profits would decide to make a change back to something unless it meant it was going to be better for their top and bottom line. So at the end of the day, what this says is consumers actually liked the vegan range better. There were more purchases, purchases or it made more economic sense to do that, which that is a win in my mind, because that's what's going to drive a lot of the change for, for big companies. But um, what did you think about this one? I So first of all, just, just want to call out, because some of the coverage around this wasn't totally accurate. This Flora has made, so Flora is a brand from Upfield, which is actually... According to the company, they are the largest plant-based consumer packaged goods company in the world with operations in over 90 countries. So very interesting. Um, we the the new announcement around Flora's buttery range going back to 100 percent plant-based is specific to the UK and Ireland markets. Um, just so that everybody is clear. Um it's always it's always specific to the UK. Everything good in the yeah. protein or plant-based space it's always in the uk and i'm tired of it oh it the US. <laughs> um, but, but tell me something is flora very popular in the u.s i've never heard of it no <laughs> yeah, never i, I it. don't think it's a major brand in the u.s in the same way whereas it is it, it's in every supermarket in the uk and in in asia too we have other brands of upfield and flora is in the supermarkets as well um, we spoke to the company and tried to kind of get more information. Um, they, we talked a lot about the health profile and how important it was for them to kind of offer many nutritional benefits via the upgrades that they've made. Um, 
So they, they, they talked about offering consumers a healthy source of essential fatty acids. So this is kind of linked to the seafood thing, because obviously we eat a lot of omega fatty acids. We eat seafood a lot for omega fatty acids. And, um, you know, certain, you know, Flora's point of view is you can also get it from, from, from plants. Um, they also worked with a consultancy to have a proper LCA done around their climate impact and found that they were 68% lower than dairy butter. So they really were trying to hit all the angles, um, but they wouldn't really explain, they, they didn't give us a clear answer on why they decided to uh, add the dairy a few years ago and then, and then remove it. Um, it. I, my guess would be it's a, it's a sourcing and supply chain issue. Um, we had a big chat with them around palm oil and they have been, the company has been embroiled in some kind of palm oil controversies and, you know, is the palm oil they use certified, um, sustainable or not. And there's a lot of kind of gray area around palm oil sourcing in general, not just with upfield. Um, but overall, this is a positive, uh, signal to the market. It, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's good stuff. And the company seems to want to come to consumers with a health message, with a climate message. They have committed to putting climate footprints on their products. This is becoming more and more um, normalized in Europe. And it's so important um, to have standards, to have these kind of nudges on products in the grocery store. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think that, that, that's really important. Like the, the, the labeling aspect of this is like kind of brushed over a little bit because like the, the main message here is really about um, the, the shift back to a plant-based ingredient profile, but um, we could have a whole separate discussion on, on labeling. And I, I think that it's so important. And I, I love to see that they're, they're proactively doing that. Absolutely. Um, One thing I'll add though, is uh, this is my, my, my cynical, cynical investor brain is that I, if they didn't confirm why they added buttermilk and then why they're removing it, I really, if I had to guess buttermilk is cheaper so that I could improve their margins on the, the, on the original product products by adding buttermilk. So they improve margin margins with a cheaper ingredient. And then they realize, oh crap, <laughs> we've alienated a lot of our core consumer base and we're actually selling so much less that this is hurting us on the top, or, top line. Or, or they found a way to get it, the, the plant version cheaper. But for sure, for me, this is a sourcing thing because this is a company that has so many different brands of spreads that they're buying in huge quantities. So whatever decision they're making, it's at scale is, is how I see it. So absolutely, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> hopefully more positive signals like this to the market, but certainly there's there's another side to the story and they, they wouldn't go deep into it with us. Um, yeah, they did say, and that's what we end the story on, that, you know, one of their ESG tar targets is to transform their whole entire portfolio to be 100% plant-based, but they haven't given a, a, a timeline on that. So again, I think this is linked to sourcing and, and costing, um, as you said. So um, it's good to know that there's well, a will to do it. And that's where they- I, I agree. And we've seen that in other companies too. I wish it would happen faster, but I, I like the idea that that's the, that's the goal. That's the vision. We see this with like Morningstar Farms or I, I believe even corn out of the UK that their, their desire is to shift away from 
using egg whites or other animal products uh, long term to be fully fully plant based. But um, it is not it's a good. It's a good vision. It is not a coincidence that corn, like Upfield, is one of the companies that has committed to carbon labeling. And one of the things that is really important to note here, this is a major signal and trend if you're listening. Anybody that any big food company that's going in the direction of carbon labeling is going to have pressure on their supply chain to move to plant-based because they're gonna be under pressure to get those carbon numbers down, the footprint number down. So it's really quite interesting. Once these companies set themselves up for assessing carbon footprint, and, and greenhouse gas footprint and climate footprint, I should say, a broader term, then suddenly the impetus is to kind of really change the makeup of the product to be more plant-based because it is such a difference in terms of footprint. So really definitely trend. Yeah, and I mean, the ones who are first movers on it are the ones doing it because they already know that they probably have a pretty decent climate score or climate footprint compared to other products. So. Um, it, it, like it makes sense why they're doing it first, but I think that it'll give them a competitive edge with consumers over time where consumers are like, well, this one's actually good for the planet. And I like the taste of it, of course. So, um, and then longer term, it might nudge some of the bigger companies with products that have bad climate footprints to relook at their supply chains, relook at their ingredients and try to shift things so that they can then compete on a climate score basis, which, um, would be awesome. I, I would love to see that. Absolutely. Um, well, that's it for this week. We One thing we are going to do this week that's different is we're going to ask our listeners for feedback because there's a topic that we really want to cover next week. Um, and we want to get everybody's view on how you think this is going to affect people in the alternative protein and future food category. So for those of you who look at kind of more broader food news, the big story this week has been around Ozempic and other similar weight loss drugs that basically are enabling people to uh, reverse diabetes, reverse insulin resistance, lose weight, but also other things are happening where people are eating less. They are less interested in fatty foods. They are less interested in sugary foods. They are less interested in alcohol. There's even evidence that it is um, people on these drugs are less prone to addictive behavior um, or excess behaviors of any kind. And so Walmart's, uh, I think it was the CEO came out and said, this is going to affect um, how much food people buy in our stores. And that they're already seeing that people are buying less food in their stores ever since, um, ever since kind of you know Ozempic levels went through the usage went through the roof, and Steve and I really want to dive into this topic next week, and we want to find out from you guys what do you think in terms of how it's going to affect the future food industry, and are are you a founder of a company or a product developer? Are you thinking about this? investors out there is this something that you're looking at we we want to know yeah tell us what you're thinking it's a big topic there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of changes to the food system that are coming from this some are good some are bad uh some are maybe ethically questionable <laughs> um but i i can't wait to dive into this
Absolutely. So yeah, get in touch with us via email, via, um, via LinkedIn, whatever is easiest. And remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts now, which is where most of you are listening from, but we're also on Google, we're on Spotify, basically wherever you listen to your podcasts, we're there. Um, rate us if you like the show, tell your friends about us, recommend us. Um, and once again, thanks for listening and see everyone next week.